You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning as my precious daughters have just sung. We have so violated your commandments and we have sinned before you we are so thankful that you hear our prayers of repentance and you forgive us of all of our iniquity and as we come before you today help us to learn how to love you more by keeping your commandments in Jesus name we pray Take your Bible with me and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 6. As we have entered into this new year, I've taken the month of January to kind of set a vision for us for this new year. And each week, as the Lord continues to lead, we'll be talking about walking in obedience to the Lord by keeping His commandments. That's why we gave you those bookmarks. That's why on New Year's Sunday, I preached on the doctrine of sanctification, answering the call to holy living. We saw that it is impossible to live a sanctified life without obeying God's commandments. Last week I preached a message on, so what if I don't keep God's commandments? Will there be any consequence? Emphatically, I answered that question, yes. We broke it down in two major categories. Number one is that if you refuse to keep God's commandments, you're going to miss out on God's very best for your life. So I guess if that's what you want, just continue to disobey. But the second thing we looked at last week is that we'll bring ourselves under the chastisement of a holy, loving, merciful God seeking to bring us back to that pathway of holiness. Jeremiah called it the highway. Get on the highway of holiness. Because it certainly is the highway that leads to tremendous blessing in life. So I was just thinking over where we have been and asking myself some questions. You see, I have to deal with these messages a whole lot longer than you do. I usually start at least a couple weeks prior to a delivery of a message to find the text and then to meditate upon that. My dad used to say, Danny, he said, a message prepared in the heart will touch a heart. A message prepared in the mind will only touch a mind. And we're not here to touch minds. We're here to move hearts. And so I try to let the Lord do his work in my heart when it comes to these messages that I deliver to you. So I will say to you, I've been under great conviction 
concerning these messages. And I just wonder, I asked you a question here this morning. How many of you would acknowledge Jesus as Lord? Can I just see your hand? Amen. Let me ask you another question. Why do you think people don't obey God? Why do you think people don't obey God? And I want to narrow that to not unbelievers. I can understand why they don't obey God. But believers. Why don't we as believers just obey God? So as I brought that question before the Lord, I began to think, well, you know, the biggest reason I don't obey God, and I'm making it very personal, is that I don't want to give up control. Because sometimes God asks me to do things that really are not that difficult to do, but then sometimes God asks me to do things that are very difficult to do. And I just don't want to give up control. As I begin to think of the reason why I don't want to give up control, I thought about lordship. So what I'm going to bring to you today is all about the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. And probably the most difficult thing for the Christian to do is to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if this is the case with you, but I know it is the case with me, and I have to believe it's the case with many others. Obedience requires giving up control. It requires us living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So I believe that's the biggest reason why people don't obey God. It's not because we're not saved. It's not because we don't want to please and glorify the Lord with our lives. It's not because we don't want God's blessing or we don't want prosperity and success. It's not because we don't want to live a spirit-filled life or that we don't want to be a good example. I think the main reason is because we don't want to give up control. Nothing is harder in life than giving up control. Most of us, or should I say all of us, <clears throat> find it very difficult to yield. Yes or no? We find it very difficult to submit, to obey, to be fully surrendered. That does not come easy. And you know why? Because we are very strong-willed people. We come forth from the womb with that strong will, not wanting to be controlled. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. You all raised your hand and said that you acknowledged Jesus as Lord, and I raised my hand with you, but is he? Are you living under his lordship? Verse 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I what? You call me Lord. We all call him Lord today. We all acknowledge him as Lord, and I believe you sincerely raise your hand and confessed him as Lord. But he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Is he really Lord if we do not the things that he says? To say as Christ said, not my will, but thine be done, is something that we very seldom ever say. 
when I think of all the counsel that I have given over all the years and people that have come to the office or I've gone to their home or they meet me after church and they ask me for a word of counsel, I can't think of any better counsel than the counsel that Jesus' mother gave when she said these words, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I'm going to adopt that next time someone comes to my office for counsel. It's going to be a 30-second counseling session. Honey, think of all the hours. All the fruitless hours we spent, especially earlier in our ministry, of trying to sympathize with people and trying to coddle people and trying to encourage people when it all basically boiled down to whatever he says, do it. Oswald Chambers, in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, said this about obedience. All of God's revealed truths are sealed. All of God's revealed truths are sealed until they are opened through obedience. Did you get that? God's truth, God's word is sealed off to you. Your understanding of it, your application of it is sealed off to you until obedience happens. If you obey God in the first thing he shows you, he will instantly open the next truth to you. You could read volumes, Oswald Chambers says. You could read, read volumes on the work of the Holy Spirit when five minutes of total uncompromising obedience would make things as clear as sunlight. It is not study that brings understanding to you, but it's your obedience. Obedience opens heaven, and the deepest truths of God immediately become yours. God will never reveal more truth about himself to you until you have obeyed what you know already. Wow. Some pretty profound statements. Concerning obedience. So when we strip everything down to its very bare essential, when it comes to lordship, it's all summed up in one word. Obey. Obey. The truth is, God doesn't want your sacrifice. God wants you. Take your Bible and turn with me to what to First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 15. This is an account of a confrontation that Samuel, the prophet of God, had with King Saul. And we'll begin with verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. First Samuel chapter 15, 
verse 1 through verse 35. We're going to skip through a large portion of this simply because of time. But we'll start with verse 1. <clears throat> Samuel also said unto Saul, or King Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. So what was the exhortation that Samuel gave when he anointed Saul? Obey God. Listen to God and you will be successful in your kingship. Now we come to verse 2 through verse 18 and here we see Saul's direct disobedience to the commandments of God. And we're not going to take time to go through that. You can go through it for yourself. But he disobeyed the Lord in several of the things that the Lord had told him to do. Now go to verse 19 and 20. Here we see Saul is confronted by Samuel concerning his disobedience, and he lies. How many have ever had one of your children lie to you when you know they've been disobedient, and you confront them with that disobedience, and they outright lie? None of my kids have ever done that, so I just wonder. Verse 19. Wherefore then, Samuel says to Saul... Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, and didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil, it's evil not to obey the Lord, in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, read it with me, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Really? Had he obeyed? Now in verse 21, he blames the people, the blame game. For his disobedience. But the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Now verse 20 through verse 23, Samuel strongly rebukes Saul for his lying and for his disobedience and pronounces God's judgment upon him. Is there consequences to our disobedience? And Samuel said... Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings, that's why he said he disobeyed, and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than what? This is the whole duty of man. Your whole duty is to obey God. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken, to listen to God, than the fat of rams. For rebellion, this disobedience, for rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. Witches don't obey. And stubbornness. What did we say is the most difficult thing about obeying God? Giving up control. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected. You did not obey. You were stubborn. You did not obey. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Do you think that I ever, as a pastor, see people reject the word of the Lord? How many of you have ever rejected the word of the Lord? Why did you reject the word of the Lord? You didn't want to give up control to the Lordship of Christ. Verse 24 through verse 27. 
Saul apparently confesses his disobedience. Did he or didn't he? And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. It sounds like he's repentant. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared. Now he's given excuses again for his disobedience. I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin. First of all, Samuel doesn't pardon sin. Who pardons sin? God does. He said, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. What was he worried about? Losing Samuel's favor. Not so much of getting right with God. Now look at verse 28 through verse 29. Samuel responds to this supposedly confession. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not. He understood this was not a seer confession. I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon his skirt and his mantle, and he rent it. I mean, I could act this out up here before you today. He grabs a hold of Samuel, Samuel is leaving, and he literally rips his clothes. Don't leave me. Don't walk away from me. And Samuel sent it to him. And I believe his voice was elevated, don't you? The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And we know that was David. Now verse 30. Saul confesses again his sin of disobedience. Then he said, I have sinned, yet... What? Honor me. Again, what is he concerned about? Losing respect. Honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. I don't want to lose favor in their sight. I don't want to lose my position of power and influence. And before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Look at verse 31. So Samuel turned again after Saul. I don't know whether he was right or wrong in doing this. I'll let you judge that. And Saul worshiped the Lord, but now drop down to verse 35. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Saul mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. That tells me that Saul really never came to full repentance. What was the main reason why Saul did not obey the voice of the Lord? Pride? Self-will? An unwillingness to give up control. Honor me now. I still want to have control. Honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Many of you have sent into my ministry for many years. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness to this preacher. Some of you have put up with me for over 30 years. Great is your reward in heaven. The only one that has a greater reward than you is me because I've put up with Phil and Doug for about that long too. But I'll never forget, bring tears in my eyes right now. I could go all the way back 35 years, 36 years ago, 
37 years ago maybe. So I was sitting in my dorm room at college, the turning point in my life. It was late into the evening, my roommates were sleeping, I was sitting at my desk with a little light on. You've heard my testimony about how that evening the Lord met with me and spoke with me and I began the process of clearing my conscience. It was that night that I acknowledged Jesus as the Lord of my life. And from that night on, my life radically changed. A new direction was given to me by the Lord, and I began to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit in my life for the first time. Over 35, 36, 37 years later, every new day gives me an opportunity to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ and to walk in obedience to Him. Walking in obedience to the Lord requires us giving up control. The Apostle Paul put it this way, dying daily. Giving up control means that obedience cannot be a matter of convenience or ease. The way to heaven is hard. Few there be that find it. The way to hell is broad. It's an easy way. Many there be that go thereat. And one thing I have noticed in a lot of Christians and even myself, that obedience isn't so difficult when God asks you to do something small. It's when he asks you to do something really big. It's easy to obey God when God prompts your heart to go through your closet and pack up all the clothes that you no longer wear or those, in my case, that you have outgrown and give them to the missionary. That's an easy thing to do. That's not hard. I'll tell you what, it's entirely different when God moves upon your heart and says, I want you to cash in your retirement or a large portion of your retirement. I want you to give it to the building fund. I had to be an evil spirit put that in our mind. That's not so easy, is it? And I don't know if anyone does this. That's why I chose this one. But probably someone here does. I'm not picking on you because I have no idea who does this. But when God asks you to give up your bowling league on Wednesday night, hopefully none of you are in a bowling league Wednesday night. But when he asks you to give up your bowling league on Wednesday night and start faithfully attending Bible study, it's not like going through your closet and giving away your clothes you don't want. When God asks you to forgive a person who has wounded you so deeply, who has sinned against you, who has taken advantage of you, who has defamed you and ruined your reputation. When the Lord tells you, I don't only want you to forgive them, I want you to start doing good to them. Luke chapter 6. That's when obedience to the commandments of Christ get difficult. 
We cannot. Church, are you listening to me today? We cannot make obedience something that we do only when it is convenient or easy. How would you like your children to say, Mom and Dad, just want to tell you something. From now on, I'm only going to obey you at my convenience. But you know what we do? That's funny, isn't it? Because you're all going, yeah, right. We'll see about that. But don't we all say the same thing to God? Obedience. My dear church family, some of you whose eyes are closed and you're drifting off into deep contemplation, obedience must become a way of life. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, obedience must become a way of life. Remember when Jesus met up with the rich young ruler. The Bible says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing that thou lackest, Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. Then thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and take up thy cross and follow me. And that rich young ruler turned his back on Christ because he realized obedience was a way of life. And the Bible said he walked away sorrowful because he had many riches. As I think of our Lord Jesus, there's so many things that are outstanding about him. I mean, he was perfect man, the God man. But one of the most outstanding things to me about Christ is how he was brutally honest. Brutally honest about his own feelings. We aren't always honest about our own feelings because when someone says, hey, how are you today? What do you say? I'm fine. Liars. Jesus was brutally honest about his feelings, but he was absolutely submitted to the will of God despite his feelings. You ever notice sometimes we only obey God when we feel like it? Oh, Father. Oh, Father. If it be possible, as great sweat drops of blood beaded on the forehead of our Savior, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. The most difficult thing about obedience is giving up control. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Question, who do you obey? Either you obey self 
or you obey the Lord Jesus. I think this is a, a truth, maybe a secret, that is hidden from the eyes of many a believer. Because when you stop and think, what do people really want in life? They want to be what? What do they want to be? Loved, happy, at peace, fulfilled. Giving up control means that your obedience to give up and embrace the Lordship of Christ will produce joy in your life. Satan is his, he does not, he wants to blind you to that reality. Okay, keep helping me out here. What words would you use to describe obedience? As I thought about that, I thought, you know, I would use the word duty. For this is the whole duty of man. I would use the word rules, regulations, laws, restrictions. Those are some of the words that I would use to describe obedience. I would venture to say that as I ask you, to give me some words that describe obedience, probably joy never entered your mind. Yes or no? When God says obey, you never think joy. You think duty, rules, regulations, laws, restrictions. Ah! You never think joy. Joy and obedience just don't seem to fit together. Joy seems liberating. Obedience seems restrictive. Joy conveys a feeling of happiness and, and great pleasure, but obedience sounds like something heavy and burdensome. Most of us would never think that the way to true joy in life is through obedience to God. That's how much we've been deceived by the devil. The words of our Lord Jesus. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be what? Full. Fullness of joy comes to the obedient Christian. My father used to always say, the most miserable person in all the world is a Christian out of fellowship with God. Yes or no? Giving up control means that we have to have, like Jesus had, a yes mentality. Not a no mentality, but a yes mentality when he asks us to obey. I often say to people, what if the Lord Jesus were here and he were to ask you to do this? Would you do it? Oh, yeah. If Jesus asked me to do it, I would do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you, what? Just do it. 
See, Nike didn't coin that phrase. It was the Virgin Mary coined that. Plagiarism. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It is, it is absolutely impossible to call Jesus Lord and not have a yes sir mentality. And when I begin to think of that yes sir mentality, I begin to think that yes is what something or someone says who is the chief or is at the top chain of command. They're the ones that say yes. No, excuse me. No flows down the chain of command from the person who's really in charge. So, let me back that up. I misstated myself. Yes is said to the one who's in authority. No is said from the one who is in authority. We are always to be saying what? He reserves the right to say no. As Christians, I think we all would confess, does Jesus have authority over our lives? Give me an amen. You said yes. So why do we live the no? As long as I have or reserve the right to say no to God, who is really the Lord of my life? I am. Have you ever noticed how we want to be the architects of our lives? You all know what an architect is? Architect is someone who draws a what? A plan. A blueprint. And we all love to be the architects of our own lives, to draw up our own blueprints. We put in there our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our goals, our wants, our dislikes. We design our plans for our education, for our business career, for our family. We design it all. We plan it all. And we have this blueprint laid out there. And we become very carnally minded because it's our blueprint for our lives. A mindset of carnality thinks very little about obeying God. We have our blueprint, our plans, all drawn up for our lives. And if obedience to God interferes with our blueprint, guess which blueprint is scrapped? Whose? Usually God's is scrapped. My life's verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and... He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Don't draw up your own blueprint. Let the great architect of your life draw that blueprint and you just obey it. There is a way which seemeth right. My own blueprint. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are what? The ways of death. Giving up control means that you have to have faith that God will bless and reward you for your obedience. The just shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 
But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is God. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not seek their own ways or their own plans, but they're seeking to follow his blueprint. So obedience sometimes requires great faith. Right? Not in the easy things, but in the difficult things. Not in the convenient things, but the things that aren't so convenient. Corey Timboom. How many are familiar with Corey Timboom? The years she spent in concentration camps, the death of, I think, her entire family in the concentration camps. Corey Timboom said these words Faith sees the invisible. It believes the unbelievable, and it receives the impossible. When my faith is increased, guess what else is increased? My obedience. When your faith is increased, we shall be enlarged by you to preach the gospel to the regions beyond, Paul said. When our faith is increased, so is our obedience to Christ. Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, Noah, in his obedient faith, built an ark and saved humanity. We would not even be here today. We would not have the privilege of being saved and going to heaven for all eternity if Noah would not have had obedient faith. Tell you what, and that takes faith for 120 years to be building an ark. Be made fun of the whole time. Abraham and his obedient faith became the father of a great nation that birthed the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses, in his obedient faith, led the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Paul's Obedient faith brought the gospel to the Gentiles. And as I began to think about that, I thought, you know what? There's not a one of us here that would be saved today if it wasn't for Paul's obedient faith to take the gospel to Macedonia. Incredible things, when you stop and think about it, incredible things that God wants to do with your life. The effect that your obedient faith can have not only on your life, but upon your children, upon your children's children, and generations to come. This life is not about us. This life is about Him. His blueprint. And what shall I say the more the Hebrews ends? In chapter 11. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also. Samuel and the prophets who through faith 
through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, they waxed valiant in fight, they turned to fight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead raised to life again, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now I say to Hebrews 11, I want to be just like those men and just like those women. They had obedient faith. Church, listen to me. Obey God and leave the consequences up to Him. Giving up control, and I'll end with this, not only requires great faith, it also requires us fulfilling the greatest of all the commandments. And that is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. Now does the Father love us all? I'm telling you, listen to me here today. There's a special love the Heavenly Father has for His children who obey Him. And we will come and we will make our abode with Him. We will fellowship with Him, that obedient Christian. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. The reason we do not walk in obedience to our Lord is we don't want to give up control. We don't have the faith or the love that we need. And I'm here to tell you, when your love for Christ is diminished, so is your obedience. The love of pleasure, the love of the present world, the love of money, the love of self will crowd Christ off the throne of your life. and you will become the Lord of your own destiny. I have a question for you as I close today. Are you willing to give up control? Remember Saul. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is iniquity. Are you willing to give up control? Are you willing to ask the Lord, Lord, as the disciples did, Lord, increase our faith so our obedience also will be increased? I want to leave you with three questions. Is there anything right now in your life that God wants you to start obeying Him in? You know, you know what it is. Is there any area of your life in which God wants you to start obeying him in? I'm going to ask you, how many here would say, I think there's some areas of my life, but I know God wants me to start, okay, thank you. Question number two. Is there anything God wants you to stop doing? Question one, is there anything he wants you to start doing, but you're not? Is there anything he wants you to stop doing that you are? 
wonder how many here would say, you know, there's some things in my life I preacher, you're right, I probably should stop doing. The last question I'll ask you, is there any reason not to do what God wants you to do? Is there any reason not to do what God wants you to do? Can I tell you something? I can't think of one. I can't think of one good reason. I think lordship is best defined by this verse, and I'll be done. 2 Corinthians 5.15 And that he died for all. Not all are saved. Not all have acknowledged Jesus as Lord. But he died for all. Aren't you glad for that? And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Isn't that a great theme verse? We weren't saved to live for ourselves. We are saved to live unto him. May God work his work of grace in our lives today. You know how many times I have said to you, I think this is one of the most important verse, or messages that I've ever preached. How many times have I said that? Like every Sunday? But serious, isn't this one of the most life-changing, transforming, decision-making, life-altering messages that have ever been preached from this pulpit. Let God do his work. Let's stand. Alyssa, would you come? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.